0: Hello, Dr. Sam. What's up, Sam? How you doing? I'm doing well. Enjoying the new year so far. Um, I've almost gotten to the point where I remember that it's 2024 and not 2023 anymore. Uh when you
1: when you when you write all those checks in your checkbook yeah, and you exactly. balance your checkbook. Yeah.
0: Listen, I just ordered some checks. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a full grown 30 year old man uh at this point. I don't think I've um, written
1: a, a physical check in, I mean, my wife writes checks for us because she's the responsible adult, but I don't think I've written one in years. It's all like Venmo, online, that kind of stuff.
0: Listen, one of our favorite places uh, to eat is cash only, and I got tired of always going to the ATM before we went out to mm. eat, so I thought I'd do the responsible thing and actually get some checks. Um But enough about checks. You just went on a cross country trip, I heard. I did. I did. Right. I took the train. I
1: was, you know, I'm a big believer in method um, podcasting. And since, you know, Percy and Annabeth and Grover are always on Amtrak's, at least in the book, not so much in the TV show, um, at least for today's content. But you know, I thought I should go on the Amtrak, see if I run into any horrible monsters, see if my compartment blows up. Uh, as far as I know, none of those things happened. Um, but it was cool. It was cool going on a train. Uh, I went to Chicago. I got to go to the Field Museum, one of the great museums in the country. But the other nice thing about this trip, right? I went to this classic, the big classics conference to, you know, schmooze with all those awesome classicists. Um, but. The, the nice thing was I had some time. I never watched TV other than Percy Jackson, which I watch a lot of, but I got a chance to watch some TV and I was catching up on the HBO show succession. Have you ever, oh. have you ever seen that?
0: I saw the first episode. It seems really good. And then, you know, life got busy and I, I never finished it, but I want to go yeah. back
1: to it. It's you good.
0: Think? It's good. So I'm on season three.
1: It, they just did season oh, okay. four, which finished it up. Um, but my my sister listens, to, watches it. My dad watches it, um, and they couldn't talk to me about because I haven't seen the whole thing. So I got to, I'm, I'm catching up. I'm in the process of catching up, um, and there was just some weird. You know, I'm always looking for classical stuff, and one of the interesting things is, you know, one of the the kids in succession, one of the like you know potential successors, um, is a guy named uh, Roman. I think his name is actually Romulus because his dad calls him Romulus when he's like, you know, when he's serious, sometimes he calls him mm-hmm. Rome, but Romulus. And I was like, that's weird. Um, especially cause he's like, you know, Romulus obviously kills his brother. Um, and so I'm wondering if, you know, spoiler, I don't know. Uh, cause I, I haven't, this hasn't happened, but what if he like kills a, a sibling? What if, what if there's like a hint there? Um, so I thought that was interesting, but there was also an episode, um, when one of the characters, um, Tom, Tom Wamsgan's is talking to uh cousin Greg and he has this like weird. I mean, there's a lot of very abusive sexual verbal abuse. It's a very caustic toxic show, but this guy. Tom is always harassing cousin Greg. Um, and he started talking about Emperor Nero um, in the story about Sporus. Do you do you remember who Sporus is in the context I, of?
0: I don't. Can you remind me? He's a slave. He's a little slave boy.
1: After Nero um, kills one of his, I think it's after he kills Octavia, who is pregnant, and he kicks her to death while she's pregnant because she yelled at him for coming home late from the chariot racing. Um he takes this slave boy Sporus and I don't think he castrates him, but he dresses him up like a woman and then has this like big elaborate marriage.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And it's, it, it was kind of a weird, it was, it was a threat, right? It was like, you're the right. slave boy and I'm going to dress you up and rape you kind of vibe. Um, but it just came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting this like in depth. Um, discussion of like this like particular moment from Roman history. Um, so that, that stood out to me, um, but it's a good show. I recommend it. Um, you know, it makes me want to wear fancy suits and <laughs> be really mean to everybody. Um, but yeah, I'm curious if anything's going to happen with Romulus, uh, but I, I won't spoil it. If I, if I do learn it, but uh, when you get the time, Sam, you should definitely check it out. Recommend. Okay. It.
0: I will. No spoilers. No spoilers. Well, we've talked about one TV show. Maybe now it's time to talk about another. Cue the music. Hello, and welcome to the All Roads Podcast, where two classicists spend their Wednesday mornings talking about Percy Jackson. My name is Sam Hahn. And I'm Dr. Sam Kindick. And today we are talking about episode five of the Percy Jackson Olympian series, streaming on Disney Plus. Um, this episode is called A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers. Yes. Uh, just like, just like chapter uh
1: it's the title of one of the chapters in the book right chapter 15 so obviously we're not one to one but again it's cool to get the actual titles right from the book which led us to believe that there is going to be a pretty close connection between the book and the tv show but we got a little bit less of that today
0: yeah Uh, how did you feel about the fact that they weren't actually in denver um explicitly um in the tv show it was not explicitly
1: clear where they were, which you know, I felt a little bit a little bit bummed out. I mean, I, I suspect they weren't in Denver.
0: Yeah, it's hard to walk from St. Louis. They walked there in St. Louis and
1: they're walking. <laughs> right. Actually, I have this in my I was like, I was like, how long would it take? I was going to put it into maps. I didn't do it um, because I was so enthralled by the rest of the episode, I guess. But yeah, they're walking. So they're they're probably in,
0: I don't know, somewhere just outside of St. Louis. <laughs> right. I mean, it looks like Missouri. Like, dear listener, if you've ever driven through Colorado, right, until you hit the Rocky Mountain, it's flat and it's yeah. very brown. Like, there's not all of this kind of lush foliage and trees. You know, that looks more like Missouri, a little bit more like the Ozarks to me, um, if I was to take a guess of where the the highway they're walking along is actually set. Um, but even that. I mean, it's
1: I don't know. They're like, I mean, I, they probably haven't made it to like Columbia. They're like, I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah. But wherever uh, they are,
0: wasn't Denver. Yeah, no. A little sad. Um, uh, We're not getting Denver in this, you know, Um, you know, justice for Colorado, but um, a lot more happening may- in this episode than the last one. <laughs> i gonna say it makes sense. That it's not Denver
1: because a big like point in the book, which I know I've mentioned a few times is that like Aries, like has all these weapons. Um, and it's definitely suggested right. that like Denver is his kind of town because like everyone just has guns everywhere, which is not true. I mean, it's more true than in like Boston where I'm from, but you know, it's still not at least where we live in Colorado. It's not really a, uh, an Aries haven.
0: No, no, it's, it's not. Um, but but there you go. You know, maybe different parts of Colorado. Colorado is a very diverse state, uh, but is. we digress. Um, I think there are a yes. lot of really interesting things to talk about in this episode in terms of the representations of the gods, because um, we get to meet a couple of new gods um, in this episode. Um, uh, what did you think of Ares? We can start there. Because they, they run into Ares pretty soon. Again, they have a kind of long... Kind of discussion on a pier, overlooking the Mississippi River. Uh, but yeah. once they actually get on the highway, they run into Aries. What do you think of Aries's characterization in this episode?
1: I thought he was good. Um, he wasn't as bulky as I think he's supposed to be in the book. I mean, the guy, the the actor who plays Aries, I looked it up is like a he's a wrestler. He's like a WWE wrestler. Um, he's got a wrestler to look to him. And he was like in a Viking show, maybe just Vikings. I haven't seen that.
0: He's got some um, it's crazy all- veins on his forehead.
1: Yeah, I mean um, he's an intense guy. Um, so I, I, I there was nothing about him where I was like, this doesn't seem like Aries. The thing that was weird, and maybe you've got more to say about this. Right after, um, Percy and Annabeth leave, and Grover's saying they're talking to Aries. They, they have this like weird bonding moment, right? Aries hates children, which is, I don't know about that. Um, but they, like, there's this, you know, Aries has this this perception of how satyrs feel, right? Satyrs are very, like, kumbaya, and they love nature. Right. And...
0: You worship flowers, I think he says. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And they talk about their feelings or sing songs about their feelings or something yeah. like that. And then Grover was like, but there's lots of violence in nature and that sort of like, and then they start talking about obscure wars. Um, And I, I don't, I mean, yes, there is violence in nature. And I think you, I think you get a lot of that in Artemis um, because Artemis is a very complicated sort of nature goddess. And Dionysus. Uh, Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But Aries for me, Aries is, you know, some gods are sort of wild and some gods are sort of represent civilization and society. For me, Aries is a violence within society, within human society, not, you know, not a Buffalo goring another Buffalo.
0: Yeah. Like Aries is like kind of inextricably linked to warfare. Um, And I think Aries is a really interesting God to think about because the Greeks don't really seem all that fond uh, Nobody
1: likes Ares
0: right. It's like really the you know, when the Romans, you know, Mars for the Romans is a much more important God, you know, makes sense with you know their history and and values and whatnot. but like the Greeks are not huge on Ares. He's kind of the butt of the joke a lot of time in like Greek mythology, right um ironically
1: know. him and Hephaestus, right So that they right. you
0: know, and they're 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 inextricably
1: linked um through Aphrodite, which we we'll talk about in this episode too yeah um
0: but yeah i was confused by that as well i, I couldn't I, I couldn't tell if grover was being sincere right you know i like your more mellow side or work right and like this like overwhelming force leading to a quick surrender is like kind of my jam i thought that was very weird i didn't understand yeah. if grover was playing aries to get information. Um, you know, I obviously have a question in my mind um, if they're going to change who the lightning thief is in this story. Um, Cause Aries doesn't really let on that. He is the lightning thief um, in this episode. And it doesn't seem like there are lots of clues, but then Grover does say, Oh, I figured it out. I figured out who stole it. So I couldn't tell if Grover was playing Aries to get information or if he's being legitimately sincere. Again, it does feel weird though that Grover would be for Aries because warfare kind of is directly related to the destruction of nature as I think about it. Um, in some ways, right? You have to, you know, you know, build machines of war by destroying nature. You know, the countryside suffers when war happens, right? You're you burn certain areas and whatnot. Um, you know, and rivers, the, right?
1: We get this in and like yeah. Iliad, right? There's there's the the diversion the you know not destruction but um rivers are explicitly um you know affected by by human warfare
0: right in the iliad right when achilles runs across the the river scamander the scamander is basically like my i'm choked up with bodies you've damned me uh you know my my water has my flow has been restricted because there's so many bodies piled up in me um I also think about this is obviously from the Roman perspective, but I also think about the Roman epic, the Aeneid, Um, you know, the the poet Virgil, a lot of his poetry before he gets into this kind of like epic narrative that involves a lot of battles and is focused on the Trojan hero Aeneas, who comes to Italy and kind of, quote unquote, founds Rome. He kind of sets up the Romans to become a thing, um, probably more accurately. Uh, but a lot, you know, that poet was very focused on the countryside and farming in his earlier poetry before he does this great war epic. Um, and, you know, in the war sections of that, there is a lot of like lamenting for the destruction of the countryside um, in Italy um, as, you know, the the Trojans fight the, the, the native Italians there. Um, so, again, I, I found it odd that Grover is at all sympathetic to Ares in this. Um, I know I've, I've been talking a lot. I think maybe the one thing you could say in defense of Grover liking it is a lot of war um, scenes are explained through similes that connect back to nature, right? Mm-hmm. If you read Homer, if you read Virgil, if you read these epic poems focused on war, typically, right, the description of, you know, this person gets stabbed in the same way you would hunt a deer or a boar or, you know, all of these kind of di- different um, kind of metaphors from nature are used to describe warfare. So maybe there's a connection there. Uh, but again, when I think satyrs, I think more of the connection to Artemis, Dionysus, the kind of wildness that leads to kind of wanton destruction, and not like the bloodlust of um, you know humans going into war.
1: Yeah, I think the metaphor thing is really interesting, and I I don't want to get too far afield from Percy Jackson. But I feel like we've talked like I don't know, maybe we should like talk more about the Iliad and like you know read some Iliad and and talk translations. Um, I was just yeah. on Reddit the other day and I saw that you know there's again and this is like a a, a a you know cyclical thing. People are then arguing what's the best translation of the Iliad, um, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean the these metaphors that we get in the the Iliad and then I think everywhere else they exist in epic poetry except so for because they're in the Iliad. Um, it's this like dual reminder because we have you know people are fighting and it's kind of like a wolf doing this or a lion doing this or a bull doing this or like some natural event like a some a flooding incident or shepherds yeah. doing something and it's cool because it does connect sort of the the martial right the war with the non-martial right with with outside of war life and I think it. It serves kind of dual purposes, right? It reminds you that there is life outside of warfare um, when you're reading the Iliad because it seems all about war, and you're like, oh, there is like, let's here's a reminder. We get we get more of this in Book 18 with the Shield of Achilles. Um, there is reminders that war is not everything, but that's also because of the audience. I mean, presumably, you know, even though this is a you know a society that fights more than say, um, you know, most 21st century societies people weren't necessarily familiar with, you know, that, you know, that familiar with war. And so maybe similes are sort of making things approachable. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Grover and Aries thing to return to, to episode five. Um, I think the fact that we're talking about Homer again, maybe suggests that, I don't know, there were problems with this episode. Um, I think it's better than the, than episode four, but uh wasn't my favorite episode overall but it's yeah i mean we get aries we get this new god and he you know he's got the he's got the motorcycle he's got the black leather he's got the you know scary veiny face
0: he's starting fights Uh, on twitter
1: yeah oh yeah oh yeah you mean x formerly known as twitter it's true it made, I like. I did like that. That he's like a Twitter <laughs> troll, right? He's like, <laughs> like people. Are like, Who are these people on Twitter? Like, well, it's Aries. <laughs> I th- right. I, th- I like that a lot. Um, that actually may be my favorite thing in the whole episode. But I mean, I don't know. The, the diner scene was weird to me. I think that they they they've, they've changed a lot um, from yeah. the book, right? In the book, they take the Amtrak train um, to Denver. Um, and then there's that moment in, in episode five of the TV show where they're like, oh, we probably shouldn't take the train because the cops are looking for us. To me, that felt like a direct response to someone pointing out. I don't know if this is like a thing in Percy Jackson circles where people are like, they are wanted. Gabe Ugliano's on the news. Maybe they, it wouldn't make sense for them to go on an Amtrak train. This seems like a correction of like what's plausible in this world. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that they go to the diner because they're so hungry. They're ravenous. They go in and they're scarfing cheeseburgers and they're drinking milkshakes. And we have that food on the table. But I feel like our characters, our main characters, Grover, Annabeth, and Percy, are, I don't know, they're they're sort of in this world that that Uncle Rick has created, but they're not, they they've lost the kid part of them, right? They they're not like, oh yeah, cheeseburgers, milkshakes fuck <laughs> yeah, like let's do it. Um, like they are in the book, even though they're in this like serious quest. Um, we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, but just on this train of thought, I mean, the whole romance between Annabeth and Percy is killed in the tunnel of love, right? It's about mm-hmm. myth and it's about um how the gods feel. It's not about this like romantic, jokey moment where you have two middle schoolers having a weird middle school romance right, right? I mean, there's a little bit of that with the hug um but i think they're take, they're sort of taking a lot of the fun out of the book series and they're making it darker they're making it more serious but it also means the character, there's a lot of like just we've talked about with percy these just sort of like empty vacant expressions
0: yeah
1: right like they they never smile
0: <laughs> yeah i know yeah i noticed that too you know annabeth never really smiles but that's a little bit of her like character um but it's taken her longer to get out of her shell though there is some genuine emotion when we actually get to the tunnel of love and Percy sacrifices himself and whatnot like we do see some like bigger emotions from from the core cast um yeah i don't know i i agree that one, I think it's important to keep in mind who the audience of this sh- show is, and I think we we agree that the audience of this TV show is actually different than the audience for the books, right? Well, it, yeah. the the
1: audience it's the same people, but just twenty Older. years later. Yeah. So right? yeah, in some ways years, you have to, yeah
0: yeah again in some ways you have to make it a little bit more adult in some ways just because you're not actually targeting middle schoolers feeling middle schooler emotions you're targeting young one-year-olds um i think is probably the core audience here like people who are in college recently graduated college like that's probably your core demographic for this tv show so i think in some ways it makes sense that they have to change it where they've like kept the actors young to actually kind of match to the book and its feeling but again they they aren't kind of experiencing the sort of things that you would expect middle schoolers to do. It is a little kind of grin and bear it or again, just kind of inexplicable. I find it hard to read what any of these characters are thinking. I think going back to like Grover, like what's Grover at when he's talking to Aries? Is he being sincere? Is he tricking him? Like, I can't tell. Um, I think it's a trick maybe, or maybe it's partially sincere, are partially a trick. Like, but again, yeah, I, I do feel like I kind of wish that there was a little bit more like Blueing in the audience. Yeah, just by like being like, hey, here's some like genuine emotion from from these people. And the uh, other reason you can't tell what he's thinking, because that scene's not in the book, right?
1: Grover goes sure. to Waterland with Percy and Annabeth. Right. Um, and he provides a sort of comic relief. I mean, in the book, right, Annabeth is more serious, but I think she's a little bit more relaxed than she is in the TV show. Right. Percy is just always sort of like clueless that's checks out, but he's a little bit less rigid, I guess in the book and Grover's like the, you know, he like flies over the gates, Maya, like you know with the shoes right. and, and he's you know, eating the, tin cans. Yeah. He's just like... eating trash. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's, you know, again, the, I know we've 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 touched on this before with, with the previous episodes. I mean, I feel like starting with Medusa, we're getting sort of farther and farther away from the book. I mean, when 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 the TV show came out, we were like, oh, this is great. It's gonna be just like the book. Um, that the the names of the episodes match up with the titles of the, the chapters, the kids are actually kids. Um, and it seemed like there was this like, you know, reset, but we're gonna actually do what the books are about but we're changing right so i think you're right to ask is something gonna change right um there's also a lot less luke right in the book um before they meet with aries they have an iris call with luke and there's this constant reminder i mean we've gone two three have they talked about luke has luke been mentioned since they left the camp
0: yeah i i thought about that too like we're we've kind of lost the like overarching plot though. Again, Ares kind of reintroduces Kronos to us. Yeah. Maybe, maybe introduces it for the first time. I'm trying to think how much Kronos comes up in the early episodes of the TV show. Right. But he, he, you know, narrates the story of Kronos, right. Devouring, you know, Zeus's siblings, Zeus, Zeus frees them. You know, we actually get that conflict. So there's a little bit of that, but yeah, Luke has kind of faded into the background. Um, yeah i don't know i I, I i agree with you here i'm not sure what the show is about i guess i
1: i hadn't i mean it's now sort of coming to me and and part of it is the sort of episodic nature of a tv show where you're watching yeah. one episode you're watching 35 to 40 minutes every week right um but i mean what why are they going on this quest well they got to get the like the, the the lightning bolt because zeus thinks percy did it and percy wants to do it because his his the, his mom's in hades but he didn't talk about that right he talked about his mom He yeah. didn't talk about getting his mom um there was discussion of oh we you know percy has this realization oh actually you know i'm not the lightning thief so someone else is that you know that sort of comes up right. for the first time but they're not really driving on that point um percy's a little happy that his dad seems to have like acknowledged him when he was in the mississippi river um so that's a little bit there but it, it it's not clear like sort of what's driving them from scene to scene i mean they're, they've come oh, together yeah. as a group but like not that much
0: right because they they just they don't keep, interact and they keep splintering off too right? right it's like they've like come together but it's like oh like they keep like separating the group, which you know yeah. sometimes happens in the in the books. So they're following it, but there. less, but less. Yeah, exactly. I think that's um, one of the
1: issues with the with the second book is that in the second book, right, Grover is gone because um, yeah. with Polyphemus, and you're like, this this feels weird not having yeah. Grover here all the time, and we're yeah. we're sort of
0: already there. Yeah. Um I yeah. I'm trying to think how, how exactly to phrase it. Yeah. I think the conflict is confusing too. Like thinking about Ares in the diner, right? He says, even if you get the lightning bolt back, Zeus is still going to have a war with Poseidon, um, which I was like, isn't that the whole point of the quest? But Ares is like, it's not going to matter. Even if you did get it back and returned it, Zeus wants a war and Zeus is going to get what he, what he wants. Right. Which again, that's kind of how Zeus operates a lot of the time, right? Zeus is, you know, the most powerful Olympian in in Greek mythology. So, you know, what he says largely goes. Um, so, but uh, again, it, it, it seemed to, again, kind of undercut the quest again. And again, Ares was like, as much as I want to see, you know, Ares is not like, I really want this war, which of course is kind of the driving motivator in the books right? Ares steals the lightning bolt because he wants a war. Um, But again, I got a little bit confused about what is Ares' motivation if he is still the lightning thief? He seems to say, I don't actually want this. Is he just going to be like, I lied? Like, I don't know. It was kind of confusing to me. Um, Again, what's the point of the quest? And what are the motivations of the actual lightning thief now? Yeah, Um, Is that going to change?
1: Yeah, and it's he also says, right, that
0: Zeus sends
1: his kids to go look for it, right? I don't think that's in the book either. The idea that the other gods are actively looking, which, I guess, makes me feel a little better. Not that I lost sleep over this, but it's always it's always seemed weird that like, and we talk about this and especially at the the end of the book series, um, and episodes that are going to come out in the next couple of weeks. There seems to be this, oh, there's this, like, crisis. The world's going to end. There's this huge, like, war. Every Status quo is going to be overturned. Quick. We need these middle schoolers to, like, save everything for us. Right. And it's like, you're the gods. Like, what are you doing? And, the, you know, there there is, especially in book five, I think, some discussion of, like, the gods actually doing something. But But elsewhere in the book series, the gods are just sort of sitting back and letting a bunch of, like, middle schoolers, sort of bumble their way through seemingly urgent quests. Yeah. Which is, I guess, sort of Greek mythology, but also not Greek mythology. Because in Greek mythology, the stakes are really low for the gods. The gods right. are never threatened, right? The Olympians are never in danger. And so right. you can give weird quests to Theseus, to, to Heracles, to Perseus, because if, if, it, if it doesn't work out, who cares?
0: Right. As long as, as long as you have someone making sacrifices to you, that's like the important right. thing. Right? right. So like, if that comes under threat, if like your worshipers are being, you know, dishonored and whatnot, then you're, then you're Apollo. We go back to the Iliad, right? You dishonor the priest of Apollo. Well, okay. Apollo is going to rain down a plague on you until you mm-hmm. rectify that and make a huge sacrifice. So he gets that those delicious smells sent straight up to to olympus because that's that's what they like um which again i you know i i studied classics at a university in the south and you know the chair of my department always loved to talk about greek religion as just like being barbecue based um which i i always loved and you know i get it
1: that made me think though um first of all barbecue sounds good um, and there's a great barbecue in St. Louis, Pappy's Smokehouse, the best ribs in the world. Um, but we, we get in the both the book and in the movies and in this TV show, right? These offerings that they make when they're at Camp Half-Blood. Do they ever make any sort of burnt offering when they're questing? It feels appropriate, especially having a hamburger. You, you think that's <laughs> right. That I mean, that's why I ask because they've, they've got all this like junk food that they never actually eat, but there's a, a big deal is made of it in um, the books, right? Medusa serves them hamburgers too. Yeah. But you would think when they're out questing, especially when like an honest to God, God is sitting across the table from you, you should be like, oh, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's pour one out for the gods. Like let's burn a, a French fry. Um, I don't
0: know. That just, that seems weird yeah, we're we're getting a little distracted here, but i will I will throw one more thing out. I did think it was funny that they had a pile of hamburgers and a pile of fries, and then just looked like two steaks on top of each other that nobody touched. yeah, um, i think i I think the steaks came later.
1: um, and someone drank a strawberry milkshake, most of it. And most of the hamburgers, but you never see them eating. And uh, they've just been hitchhiking. They've been walking across America and you think they would be hungry but i guess they're yeah not i that.
0: know these are nitpicks listener we shouldn't be focusing on that but it is you know i don't know um well we should talk about the amusement part next but again i think this goes back to the weird cuts the again this tv show the cuts kill me every time um i hate the fade to black because i don't think it makes any sense especially when it's a fade to black and then it's immediately into the next scene which is seconds after when they faded to black um, yeah <laughs> uh, like when percy and annabeth go through the you know the, the 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 love ride at the amusement park you know they fall into the water and percy uses his powers um and then it cuts to black and they're out of the water and he's like what happened and i was like i was
1: confused what? by that was that just I was like why saving saving cgi budget I don't like know. he just he I couldn't tell if he was like shooting bubbles or if he was like propelling himself through
0: the water with a jet of water. Confusing. I don't know if it was like he's using like water arm to grab Annabeth because like his dad kind of does that to get him into the Mississippi River, Mm. um, in the previous episode. I don't know. Again, they cut to black, so uh, clearly they didn't want to actually show us what happened. Um, he's like, "Oh, I'm you know I'm getting used to my powers," and I was like, "Okay, I don't really know what happened, but." That's okay. but anyway, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. you know, Percy and Annabeth go to Waterworld waterland Water waterland Waterworld um, is in Denver really
1: yeah there's a there's a a place I called Waterworld.
0: Yeah. oh, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. Uh, Which I assume is not based on the apocalyptic movie with Kevin Costner. So they go to the they go to this amusement park with it again a lot of weird things like when they go through the turnstiles and there's that worrying that's a mechanism. long scene that's a and long scene and i don't understand it at all like they're like oh my gosh are we about to die and it's like no it's just a counter and it's meant to <laughs> make you afraid and i was like i don't know again we're not Havis thinking Havis too likes, much.
1: he likes to know when people enter and they're the first people to ever enter well but also he's a he's also he's a god who who presumably would know if they entered? But. Yeah.
0: Again, I just found it very confusing that they're like, "Oh man, it's Celestial Bronze. Is he gonna kill me?" And it's like, "Oh no, it's not. It's just he wants to know who comes into the camp, uh, comes into the amusement park." But also, it's meant to scare demigods. I was like, "This is too many things." Like they just let him go in. Like I don't know why we're having this whole like rigmarole around. No. What are a bunch of no. essentially gears moving, which don't. I I wasn't scared. I heard the noise and I wasn't like, blades are about to come and kill Percy. I was like, yeah, it's like a weird mechanism in an amusement park where there are tons of gears. Um, Strange. Um, But they go in, only two people in the park. I guess Ares and Aphrodite hop the fence. They don't go through the turnstiles. Um, And they go through the Rite of Love where we get the story of Hephaestus depicted in a light show. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I have some questions about that.
1: Um, Yeah. Did it say that he was romantically rejected by Hera first?
0: I think it said he was rejected by Hera rejected by Aphrodite. I think rejected as in like, I mean, we can talk a little bit about the origins of, of, of of Hephaestus here. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about the Iliad um, so far um, you know, Hephaestus. we talked about, you know, Ares kind of being the butt of the joke and a lot of Greek mythology. Um, and Sam mentioned that Hephaestus is that too. And, you know, when we look at ancient comedy, it can sometimes be really hard to find ancient comedy funny because a lot of the comedy in the ancient world was making fun of people who were slaves people who are poor and people who are disabled um so you know oftentimes when you read like roman comedy for example um the butt of the joke is it's a slave doing a stupid thing and slaves are stupid and that's or a slave doing a smart thing and that's crazy which is unexpected yeah right so again you're like as a modern reader you like that sucks that's clear that's not funny at all Uh, But the Romans and, you know, the Greeks in a different, slightly different way, like found the same thing funny. So Hephaestus is the butt of the joke in the Iliad because he's a cripple. Um, So everyone laughs at him because he's deformed. um, But he's actually really smart. You know, he kind of uses himself as the butt of the joke to like prevent, you know, war on Olympus, essentially. Right. He kind of like keeps the peace. But in the Iliad, right, he is famously thrown from Olympus by Zeus. Um, and he falls and falls and falls and falls and crashes on an island, which is how he becomes crippled and deformed. Um, again, an interesting depiction of how um, the Greeks thought of the gods—that they can be like mortally wounded by another god, even though they can't be killed. Right? As Sam has said, you know, Athanatos, right? They're 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 deathless, but that doesn't mean that they can't be um, kind of messed up by other gods uh, on Olympus. Um, but there are, I think two different versions of the, of like Hephaestus's origin. Like some people say Hera gives birth to Hephaestus in a similar way that Zeus gives birth to Athena, right? That, um, Hephaestus is kind of the adoptive son of Zeus, but actually doesn't have a father. And this is inconsistent in mythology. Like some people will say, oh, it is Hera and Zeus who have Hephaestus, um, but in some versions, you know, Hera gives birth to Hephaestus, and he's born malformed. Um, and so she rejects him as his mother. Um, and in other versions, it's, it's Zeus who kind of hates him. So it seems like the version of the myth that we're getting in this story is that um, Hera is the one who rejects him as her child. Um, which, again, it wouldn't be out of character for the Hera we get in the later books right. Who's trying to craft the perfect Though family. It, I think it does
1: suggest that she's born, right. He's born parthenogenically, right? right. Just sort of out of Hera. Cause there's that, that shadow scene, right. It's, it does look very Disney. Yeah. Um, where it looked like an evil queen, but it was Hera. Yeah. Uh, and then like, kind of like the children in the dress of the sugar plum fairy in the nutcracker, uh, Hephaestus, you see where I'm going with this? Hephaestus comes out of her dress.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like,
1: he's like a little ball, and he like sort of like yeah, yeah, yeah. comes out like out of her. Um, but then I don't know. It, to me, it's it he it it almost made it sound like Hera, his mother, was romantically rejecting him.
0: I but, think yeah, yeah. I I think I don't think I wasn't confused by that. I think it's just like. I'm easily confused. Okay, calm down. His his mom hates him. His mom hates him, and his wife hates him. Uh, Was you know uh, the the gist of that? Harry's a super buff in that animation as well. Um, Again, a weird thing for the rite of love. I guess it's probably there to make Ares and Aphrodite feel bad as they're trying to have sex secretly in a water tunnel. Um, Um. but then they, you know, then they run across, you know, the automaton holding the shield of Ares, which is, you know, what they've been tasked to retrieve, you know, and uh, Ares's shield has this massive boar's head on it. Um, and there's a, a throne covered in peacock feathers, um, which again is also kind of a, a reference to, you know, another piece of mythology that um, Percy narrates for us, where Hephaestus makes a throne for Herod. She sits in it and she's kind of locked in place. Um and the only way that she's able to be released is by um the gods agreeing to give Aphrodite and marriage to Hephaestus. though apparently I think he he tries to originally marry Athena um mean um, but that's kind of besides the point. Um, is it Hephaestus who is chasing Athena? Um, yeah, I think in, yeah, I think in some mythologies, right he's after um athena kind of in this uh like uh yeah it's a good story he, yeah he's not yeah right? hephaestus is not a good good i mean none of these olympians are no. good dudes is it, um, is
1: it is it is it's is it the story right that sort of explains the 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 birth of the athenian people is it that story where Hepha- hephaestus is chasing after athena and he's trying to rape her but she's a virgin goddess right she has no interest in having sex with him and he's like running after her and masturbating, and then he like ejaculates onto her like cloak, or something, and she like kind of wipes it off, and then the sperm from Hephaestus go into the ground, huh. and this is why the Ath- the Athenians said that they were born of the earth; they were a yeah. Um, They didn't, you know, which is cool because you know archaeologically it doesn't seem like they migrated from anywhere there's just like always been people in athens but this is the sort of mythological story that explains how they sort of literally mythologically if you can be literally mythologically literally mythologically <laughs> come up out of the ground yeah. um is it is is that i remember that i mean i know that happens with athena but i didn't remember
0: didn't remember who was chasing her but it might be Hephaestus. It might be Hephaestus. Um, I know he has a thing for Athena, but he ends up with Aphrodite. And then, you know, in other versions of the myth, it seems like maybe they break up at some point and he marries a, a different goddess. You know, uh, Hephaestus has a, you know, complicated love life. Uh, to, they all do. To yeah. say less. Um, right. And, and, you know, and then we have this, you know, scene going back to Percy Jackson where Percy sacrifices himself to retrieve the shield um and then annabeth makes you know an impassioned plea to Hephaestus. um and i saw a really interesting thing right percy escapes this kind of imprisoning chair because Hephaestus lets him go right um and i saw an interesting thing there was an interview recently with rick riordan talking about this episode and this idea that um you know Hephaestus, we don't meet until much later in the book series, actually. Right? I don't think we meet him until book three, um, actually, right? Um, or, or maybe book four. Maybe it's all the way in book four. Um, but you know we don't meet Hephaestus in the first book, actually. Uh, but Rick Riordan says he wants to actually to start depicting um Olympians who get how messed up Olympus is, and Hephaestus is one of the gods who actually. Gets it, uh, which is why we we have him appearing um, in the initial um, TV show. Um, I'm what curious you what you thought. Him? Yeah, I thought it is very different from how he is depicted in mythology. Yes, right. He's a kind of clockwork tinkerer type. Um, And he's got kind of a cane and a mustache and little glasses and a vest and all of this stuff. He's That's kind hard. of he's, he's kind of like my character
1: in our D and D game, right? That's yeah, true. Like my little, little like gnome guy.
0: Yeah. Again, it's weird. It's not how Hephaestus appears, right? Hephaestus is kind of this. Um person who is physically disabled but also really buff and you know is working in the forge and you know I think when you picture Hephaestus um, there is like a certain amount of strength but also like his his legs are weak like he has a lot of like help in order to actually get around and he has
1: strong upper body strength right right
0: right he's not really like the finesse god that means the god of craft and whatnot but like he is a he is a blacksmith by trade, right? He is at the forge.
1: Right. Uh, Athena's, Athena's the goddess of craft. I mean, I think of Athena. Well, sure. Not necessarily in terms of mechanical things, but there was actually a, a book that has just come out um, in the last couple of years about automation, mechanical automation in the Greek world hmm. by Adrian Mayer, who also wrote the book about the Amazons and about the dinosaurs in the ancient world and a biography of the poison King Mithridates. Um, so she looks at all the interesting stuff. I haven't read the book yet, but I'd be curious to see if something like mechanical craftsmanship would be closer aligned with Hephaestus for sort of metalworking and and foraging or Athena for the sort of crafts. I mean, have have you seen the, um, the old clash of the Titans movie, like the original one?
0: No, I never saw clash of the
1: Titans. We should watch that sometime. Um, But there's there's like this owl, like this little owl named uh, Bobo, I think is his name. He's like, Athena's like owl, but he's mechanical and he flies around. And so I think that's sort of in in reference to the sort of the craftiness of Athena, which is interesting. Have you you also, another movie, um, have you seen the recent Pinocchio the like live action Pinocchio. Oh, the Guillermo
0: del Toro Pinocchio. I have not seen, I've not seen that. Um, I will say I, I've watched, there's also a video game that's Pinocchio based. I don't know if you've heard about this called Lies of P where you play as Pinocchio and fight. No. Fight I don't know if this is monsters. the Guillermo, it's, it's like a Disney. It's like a Disney one. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one. Tom,
1: So Tom Hanks plays Geppetto. Um, and this is what I was going to ask you. So you haven't seen it but Tom Hanks is a very strange Geppetto. Um, Cause he's like trying to talk in an Italian accent, but he's like this like weird, clueless white haired inventor. He reminded me a lot of Hephaestus. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. Sort of I see harmless
1: that. tinkerer.
0: Yeah. I thought of, I thought of um, Belle's father from beauty and the beast. That's who mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. Of yeah. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. When I saw Hephaestus in this, in this movie. Um, again, I, Again, a very interesting choice. I also wonder how much of, like, Hephaestus is the guy who gets it. How much of we're getting, like, you know, um, here's a representation of the author being put in here. How much does, like, Rick Riordan see, like, Hephaestus as a little bit of a representation of himself. Like, yeah. I don't know. I get, like, I get also, like, teacher vibes from him. Um Again, again, though, not really what you would traditionally think of as Hephaestus in, like, the Greek understanding.
1: What, what? If, I mean, the thing that really, I mean, it all st- stood out because it was really, it was a weird scene. It felt kind of like a video game Um, when they get there and they're like, Annabeth's like, this is a contraption. Let's figure out how to, like, solve it. And I was like, this is a cut scene. And now we have to, like, walk around and, like, press B to, like, inspect it and try to figure out how the gears work or something. Um But the weirdest thing for me, I mean, the whole interaction with Hephaestus was weird and they're really making it about this like war between the gods and the parents and Annabeth's a projection of Athena and like, but, you know, Percy's a good kid. So Hephaestus is going to make this like exception for this random demigod. But the thing that really stuck out was the weird panpipes he played to like <laughs> to like release yeah. Percy. Right? Yeah. Like that was weird. It like it wasn't like if he had pulled like a, you know, a remote out of his pocket or something or like gave her some sort of mechanical key to like unwind it or just used magic cuz he's a god. But like a panpipe? That's like the least Hephaestus yeah. thing ever.
0: It's too dainty for Hephaestus. Yeah, it's like um, Grover.
1: I mean, Grover should have like a pan yeah. pipe. Hephaestus yeah. should not.
0: Yeah, it is. It is a interesting choice. Um, I think it's notable in this episode how much of Athena get, how much Athena gets mentioned. Um, again, there's a lot of focus on Annabeth as you know a daughter of Athena. That's something that Hephaestus focus on too, right? You know, well the same thing like, in, the,
1: in the last episode, right? Yeah, we got a lot of that in there St. There Louis. There's a lot of Athena
0: yeah i mean aries also has the weird comment where he's like everyone thinks she's the smart one but she's always talking to this owl and like i don't talk to an (laughs) owl which i was like weird i don't again i'm like okay is i'm like it would be cool if like they meet athena and she is kind of cuckoo um just like a little bit batty i'd be like that could be an interesting change again not greek or you know accurate to mythology but you know it would be an unexpected change to the story um but yeah there's a lot about you know like this will like bring you up in like status with your mom um and you know something i have appreciated and i've said this kind of i think every time we've talked about the tv show as i do like how awful the olympians are portrayed like i really like that they are really hammering home that no these people really suck and they do terrible things to each other and they're petty and and all of this stuff like i do appreciate that that is not being lost because at times in the books you know i I felt like that was not being hammered home as as hard as it is in the tv show so again i continue to appreciate um that but again some of these gods are just kind of kind of weird
1: yeah i mean it's that was definitely one of the criticisms that we had when we're talking about the books is that you know they the gods seem a little shallow and they seem stereotyped in some ways i mean the the gods of greek mythology are are super complex and they're they're not only complex but they're also i don't know they're like uh like they protean like you can't you can't trap them down they're protean because they you know from one from one book to another from one story to another from one author to another from one place to another from one time to another they're different right i mean the gods of homer are different than right. the gods of apollonius are different than the gods of virgil right. um but yeah so we have this emphasis but i feel like by having this emphasis it's sort of fundamentally changing the story cuz the story is not about that so much i mean the story is about Percy and Annabeth and Grover going on an adventure in a weird world, having fun, you know, beating the sort of super long odds of actually being successful. But the gods are just sort of in the background. They're like, Oh yeah, my dad's Poseidon. So I've got these like water powers. Um, And Annabeth's like, yeah, my mom's Athena. So I like to like talk about architecture. But it's like, that's the, like the, the focus in the book or mm, in the TV show, yeah. you know? And it's just, it's, it's less about a bunch of kids going on an adventure than it is about sort of this like larger, more serious interfamily drama, which is interesting. It's just, it's a very different sort of vibe. I mean, I know we talked about that at the top of the show that the the audience is, is, is different. I mean, the, the the demographic is different. The audience is the same, but is it like, what's the point? You know, if you're going to, if you're going to do a a second adaptation of a book series, why change it? Right. I mean the, the complaint about the movies was the kids are all 35 and had nothing to do with the book. Well, right. now we've got child actors but it's starting to feel like it has nothing to do with the book. And it's
0: also again, adult themes. I I would push back on that. It has nothing to do with the book. Like I think, I I think, you know, it, it, I mean, it is preserving in terms of like how close it is to the original book. You know, it's leaps and bounds light years away from the movies in a good way. Like it is coming back to the book. But again, it is the kind movies of movies were like,
1: fun, though there was like fun in the movies,
0: you know. There was stupid one-liners,
1: right? But there was—I don't know. I thought the like Annabeth Percy
0: dynamic was closer to the books. I think, I think, I think you're right. I feel like in some, again, right in a certain way. Like I think the plot is closer to the books, but I feel like there is kind of an obsession about getting it right then in some ways we're losing the heart of the book that made it so compelling right and like the characters and and whatnot like in terms of like i I don't know i find it hard to think about this tv show in some ways but when i think about like how is this as an adaptation i'm like it's a pretty faithful adaptation that makes the necessary changes to make it work for tv but like do i like it I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't sure know that I, that I that. You know, I don't know. I, you know, I'm on the IMDb, IMDB page in case I need to look up, you know, actors' names and whatnot. And, you know, the IMDB rating, you know, is a 7.5 out of 10. And I feel like that's, that's, I, I feel probably that my rating for the show is probably about there. Like it's, it's good, but I don't know that it resonates in a way like it is like technically good without being good. Good. If that makes sense.
1: At the end of an episode. I mean, I was going to say an increasingly short episode, but we actually added a few minutes. We were up to 40 minutes this time. Yeah. At the end of an episode. Are you like, man, I want to watch the next one right now. I really want to know what happens.
0: Cause I'm invested. Well, I don't know, like, you know. That's a no. No, it's, yeah, that's a no. Again, I don't know if anybody's like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next because I think most people, a lot of people watching the show know what is supposed to happen. Right, but like,
1: you know, to go back to Succession, I I don't watch a lot of TV just because I, you know, with kids, we're just watching nonsense. But, (laughs) like, I mean, when you watch like a really well done show, Succession, or... There were times that like Game of Thrones did it, but like one of those shows, it just really sucks you in. You just, I mean, there's a reason people binge stuff, right? Right. I mean, you watch one episode and you're like, you just like, you hit that, you know, Netflix or whatever starts playing the next episode and you're like, skip, skip the recap. Like, let me get right into it. Like, I need like, I need this next episode right now because I'm invested, yeah. right? I mean- I think it's partially the nature of the books because the books are so episodic. You know, yeah. they're like, oh, here we are in Denver. Like, oh, now we're like hanging out with a zebra. Oh, we're in Vegas. Like, oh, okay. Now, they're just like jump from, from scene to scene to scene. Yeah. And that's very much how the TV show is. But I mean, I, if if they were all available, I'd probably watch them all in one sitting because it would only take four hours because the episodes are so short. But if, I don't know, it's hard if I wasn't watching this for the podcast, I don't think I would watch it.
0: Yeah. I I feel the same way too. And dear listener, you know, I don't think we're saying that you shouldn't like this show. Like if you're enjoying the show, like, um, you know, Godspeed, like, I think, you know, you should be allowed to, well, sure. Tell us why, (laughs) but like, you can like what you like. Like, I don't think this is any sort of like judgment on like how people feel about the show, you know? Um, I'm sure people could level criticisms at, you know, the properties that I love and, you know, I get excited watching, you know, the Lord of the Rings and, you know, I know how the story ends, but, you know, I get to the end of, you know, the first disc of the fellowship and you're like, Oh, I got to go on to the second one because, you know, I love that movie and I love that story. And so I think people can feel the same way about this and feel excited about the TV show. Um, But, you know, as newcomers to the Percy Jackson series I think our perspective is it's fine. Like, I, I think I like these better than the movies just because the movies, again, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Dr. Sam, you feel differently about this, but I feel like the movies are just bad. Like they're fun to watch. Cause they're awful. Not even just as like adaptations. Like they're just like, they don't, they don't hold it up. Um, as, as movies, um, I think this holds up better as a, as a story in some ways, but it's not something that I would come back to um, or probably have chosen to watch outside of the podcast. Like you said,
1: I don't know. I think at this point I prefer the first movie. Wow. Not wow. What? Not because, not because it has anything to do with the book, which it doesn't. I mean, there's like Chronos isn't a part of it, um it's again it's fun you know and you know my my six-year-old son likes it but you can like put it on and like stuff happens there's like fighting there's like one-liners they go and they you know they fight the hydra in the um the pantheon parthenon um in nashville yeah it's i don't know it's there's like banter between the characters and it's shallow banter because, you know, it's an hour and 40 minutes or whatever. They don't have time to develop the characters. But the opposite is happening in this TV show that they do have the time to develop. They do have the time to do stuff, but it's not fun. You know, I, I guess I have an intellectual interest in it because I've read the books recently and we've talked about them. And I'm curious to see why they're changing things and the decisions that they're making and stuff. But. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it's not, I don't, I don't watch it and go. Yeah. Like, like the Medusa episode. I did Medusa. I was like, this is awesome. This is cool. They've changed it. I like really enjoyed it. I liked the first two episodes because it was sort of this introduction to this world, but the sort of the last two episodes, these episodic episodes um where they're, they're in St. Louis where they're in not Denver
0: I don't know. It just hmm. interesting it drags
1: for for yeah. something that's thirty minutes. It still drags.
0: Yeah. Again, I, the the use of timing is always interesting. They do a lot of lingering shots, and then kind of like some of these like quieter moments they spend a lot of time on, and then the actual like like action moments they kind of breeze through kind of quickly, uh, which I find interesting. But you know, in defense of the show, we haven't seen how it ends yet. I think, you know, I was trying to look at what is the reception of this show been so far? And, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's a lot like the books, um, which I think is, you know, good, um, a good way to describe the TV show. Um, but I think, you know, we'll actually start to get, what do people think of the show overall once it finishes? And I'll say, you know, the middle is kind of always the hardest part. That's where a lot of pieces of, you know, media kind of struggle is the, it's, it's easy you a lot of people do beginnings and endings better than they do middles, and we are in the middle of this TV show, so maybe it'll come back and win back our hearts as it finishes out. So I think we have to be a little bit patient before we make final judgment. But I think you agree that this middle feels really long, really drawn out, and is missing a lot of the heart of the books.
1: Well, I think we're going to find out. You know, we're going to sell this once and for all. I don't need the end to to, to make a final judgment. Because my favorite part of the book, my favorite part of the movie is when they're in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah. You love Las Vegas and you love this hotel. We're going to Vegas. Right. We've
1: got they're going to Vegas because Hermes is in Las Vegas
0: and they can and get Hermes
1: his is going to get give him a ride. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Out to out to Los Angeles. Um, and we got the little sneak freak of the next episode. And we've got Lynn manuel Miranda um mm-hmm. in the casino so uh, we get to look forward to actually getting some more hermes actually in this episode which should be pretty fun but again they're diverging from the book right because they yes. don't go to the the vegas to,
1: to find hermes or anything right hermes is not the Lowe's hotel and based on the shots i mean percy's like running through the casino floor and there's like grown-ups and it's not just like a bunch of kids from the seventies, like playing pinball right. machines, but also not Grover, like having an awesome dance sequence, like in that first movie. Um, so that's, we'll, we'll see. That's the we'll standard see. I'm going to hold them to. I okay. want like a dance montage. I want Grover dance montage.
0: Well, listener, get excited for the next episode in Las Vegas. We take a zebra to Vegas is the name of that episode. Uh, and we'll be excited to bring that to you next week. Um, Sam, I know we've had a lot of strong feelings about this show. Any final things you want to say to our listeners?
1: I'm just really looking forward to that Vegas scene. I've been looking forward from the beginning. So we're going to see, um, you know, maybe I'll watch this episode with my son uh, and, and get his take. Maybe I'll report back. But, you know, all roads, since they do lead to Rome, Uh, You know, roads sometimes take you down dodgy ways. You go by dodgy things. You watch dodgy things on TV. But if all roads do lead to Rome, which they do, we appreciate the fact that you're taking a detour with us. Um, And if you like the show, right, we we see people listening out there all over the world. We've got uh, four continents represented at this point. So what up? But um, we appreciate you guys. We hope you
0: enjoy listening to the show. Tell us what you think. Um, right? Especially you if you those- disagree with Dr. Sam. Send us an email and, and let us know why Dr. Sam is wrong about his opinions on the TV show.
1: I suspect there are very few people who listen to the show who disagree with me. Because I know we have a very educated, very learned um, audience base. And I say a lot of things that make a lot of sense. Um Always have, always will. But if that's the case, if you want to, you know, just sort of reinforce everything I've said, let us know. Be one of the people that emails us. Um, Send us an email at allroadspod at gmail.com. You know, if you are one of the handful of people that disagree with me, hit us up. If you've got ideas for what we should talk about next, we're talking about maybe some Assassin's Creed video games, we're looking at some movies um, that have connections to the classical world. You know, let us know. Give us feedback, but also, you know, the, the way to really help the show, thanks to the algorithm, leave us a, a five-star review and a comment um, in uh, the podcast app on Apple. Um, we've got a couple five stars already. That's great, um, but it does boost the show. It does let other people find it. Um, so we would love to get your feedback and your reviews there. But it's been great. Thank you so much. I'm Dr. Sam Kindick. And I'm Sam Hahn. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.